So today for me is, is part three of three uh, in a series over the course of the summer. I think for me this started back on Father's Day, talking about not so creatively God the Father. And, and so the first part, just as a, a reminder for those of you who were here and, and maybe forgot or um, maybe weren't able to be here, that first Sunday I talked about God our Father as a provider, right? But not a provider necessarily of, you know, the things that we need or, you know, food or clothing or things like that, but God is a provider of, uh, in, in John, he talks about eternal life. God, for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus that we might have eternal life, but that it was a, a particular type of life where we would have not just life forever, but that we would have life forever in relationship with him as sons and daughters, right? that he had provided for us through Jesus a pathway into sonship and daughtership, that it was the submission of Jesus the Son and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that he had made that possible. And a couple of weeks ago, I talked about God the Father as a parent, right? more than just sort of the opening line to our prayer, the title, but a parent who wants to actively engage, wants to actively get his hands on us and our lives in order to equip us and teach us and train us and conform us. And we looked in Hebrews 12 where he talks about us being disciplined, right, being chastised, being reared as dearly loved children. And it's that work of God in our lives as our Father that's a sign of how much He loves us. And that ultimately, His design in that is that we would be partakers of His holiness, that we would take His character and his nature, his likeness, would continue to come forth in greater and greater measure in all of us as sons and daughters. And so today I want to sort of focus on what do you do with that? Right? As we're going through that process, as we're engaged in that, that parenting that God is doing, as we enter into relationship with him, that he's looking for, obviously, relationship first and foremost, but this is more than just, I believe, and I'm going to argue today, maybe not argue, but I'm going right, to try to lay out, that he's looking for more than just us being like him. Right? That's a heavy enough lift in and of itself, right? but that lift is, is primarily on him. But that God wants even more than just us being conformed to his image and his likeness, that I believe God's looking as our Father to partner with us in advancing his kingdom. Our provider, our parent, our partner. And some of you are thinking right now, maybe that stretches your thinking a little bit. Like, I don't know if I'm completely comfortable with that. We'll come back to that. But how many of you, 
right? I know that, you know, teens, you guys are right, maybe on, on this experience, but even for you adults, how many of you can remember a time with mom or with dad, maybe an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent, where they brought you into something that they were doing to help them, to help them. Baking something, right? I honestly, I got to be honest, I, when I think of this, I, I think of Jerome and some of the stories that I've heard him talk about. Right, but I'm, I want to give you an example. When I was a kid, when I was in middle school, my uncle, uh, built, he built their, their house. Right, was in construction. Him and my dad worked together uh, for, for a number of years. Decided, you know, we're going we're gonna to build our house. And so I can remember, I can't remember if I was in sixth grade or seventh grade, but over my spring break, I spent 40 hours, 50 hours. My dad would drop me off at their house as he was leaving for work super early in the morning, and he picked me up as he was coming back through, right? And all day long, I was working with my uncle, helping him, partnering with him. Now listen, I'm like 11 years old, 12 years old. Like, I can barely hammer a nail without taking out my own hand. But we partnered together. We co-labored to build their house. He got me all safety geared up, and up on the roof we went, right? Laying down sheeting, putting down tar paper, and, shing and, and shingling that roof. I've never been so scared in my entire life. I will not admit to you how many shingles we had to rip out because I had put them on wrong, crooked, nail in wrong place, whatever, right? Not consistently the greatest helper. But if you asked him today, if I had him here, my uncle would tell you, yeah, Jason helped me build my house. We partnered together to do that. And I like to think that at least, you know, beyond just that spring break time, like I did actually contribute something, not because he couldn't do it or wouldn't do it, but that there was something in his heart that just wanted to invest in me, to, to have me alongside, right, where he was teaching and training and equipping me. And we were doing something together. We were putting our hand to a common work that he didn't really need me for. He just wanted me for. I can remember growing up, we used to, my, my, we've got a, my dad's got a fairly long driveway. We used to plow our driveway and then our neighbors across the street were an elderly couple. We used to plow it. My dad could do that in like 15 minutes. And he just knew like all of the angles and how much snow he could take and all of those sort of things. And over the years, right, plowing our driveway was his work and plowing our neighbor's driveway became my work. But that meant more work for him. Right? He had to put chains on, he had to put a weight in the back, and weigh enough to plow uphill, which is what their driveway was. It was more work for him to have me help than if he just did it himself. But for years, that was the routine. And again, it didn't always go perfectly. I, I will never forget the winter where I started making a pass up our neighbor's driveway with, my, with a plow down, 
and I'm seeing snow sort of, you know how it curls up in front of the plow? Well, all of a sudden, in, front, in addition to that snow, curling up in front of the plow was their driveway. Right? See, things had sort of settled on either side. There was a ridge right in the middle. And my dad knew you couldn't start. Your first pass couldn't be right up the middle. You had to start on one side or the other and sort of work your way carefully. Nope. I peeled the middle of their driveway up 25 feet from the road, 25 feet up before he finally yelled loud enough for me to realize what I was doing. Not exactly the most helpful partnership for my father. But you know what? After I went and I talked with my, our neighbors, Rose and Roy, who were just incredibly gracious at what I had just done, I kept plowing their driveway. And I got better at it, and I stopped peeling it up, and eventually became more and more helpful. But he didn't give up on me. They didn't give up on me. We continued to partner together. And I want to suggest this morning that God's heart is similar, right? I don't think this is God being like my dad or God being like my uncle. I think there was something in them that reflected God's heart to me at a really early age. That's what I want to talk about. I believe God wants to partner with us. I don't believe he needs us to advance his kingdom even in the slightest bit. But for some reason that I cannot explain to you today or if we had a hundred conversations around a living room or a campfire or whatever, I probably still couldn't fully explain. God, our Father, has chosen to partner with us to advance his kingdom. Do you believe that? I thought at first that this was like a New Testament thing, a Jesus thing. Like, it's really not. There is something in the heart of God as our Father where he wants to engage with us this way. We are not always the most helpful partners. At least I'm not. But here's, here's what I know, right? Ephesians 2 says that we're God's workmanship and that he's created us in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, right? Good works, holy works, that there's this process that God's going through in our lives where he's moving us from just being partakers of his holiness, right, to where we become practitioners, right? We're not just like him, but we do the things he does, ideally with the same heart attitude and the same mindset. It's not a new thing for God to partner with men and women as a loving father. I want you to start with me this morning, it, back in, all the way back in Genesis 2. In your, in your Bible, on your phone, whatever, whatever you've got. All the way back in Genesis 2. So just to give you a sense of the reality of what I'm talking about here in this partnership and how I'm not suggesting, if you've not already picked up on this, this is not an equal partnership. I don't carry the same weight or the same responsibility that the Lord does. Right? I don't have the same capacity that the Lord does, but I do have a part. And so in, all, in Genesis 2, right, think about what just came before that. In Genesis 1, in the beginning, God walks through in six days and created literally everything. 
in a partnership amongst the Trinity, right? But didn't need our help to do any of that. Didn't need our help dividing the heavens from the earth or the land from the water or vegetation or didn't need us for any of that. But when you look in Genesis 2, I'm going to start in verse 8. It says, Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden, where it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first, Pishon, it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there's gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are there also. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. And this is the point that I'm getting to. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. We're literally in the middle of the creation story, and God is making a choice here, right? He planted that garden, right? Adam did not plant the garden. Adam didn't have anything to do with that until God put him there to work it, to tend it. Did God need Adam to do that? Absolutely not. If you can literally speak and make plants appear that are going to flower and seed and all of that, you do not need a gardener. You do not need a tender. You are the master gardener. You do not need a partner. But that is exactly what we see here, guys, is God makes a choice. He puts Adam right in the middle of the work that he's doing and says, I want you to be a part of this. We're going to partner together in tending this garden. Adam's responsibilities here, right, to work it is to, to dress it, to serve it, to till it, right? All of the things that you would do in a garden, right, to take care of it is literally to put a, a hedge around it, to guard it, to protect it, to preserve it, to watch over it. From what, I'm not even exactly clear. But God partnered with Adam in this work that he was doing, this creative work that God was doing knowing full well that before we got even one more chapter into this, it was going to blow apart, that Adam was not going to be a worthy partner. He knew it. He still partnered with Adam. Right? He, calls, he, he creates Eve to, to come and to, to work alongside. God does not care if you're going to mess it up. As a son and as a daughter, it is more important to him to work alongside you than it is that you get it right. In Mark 16, right, this is after Jesus, the, the crucifixion, he's, he's resurrected, he's ascended back to heaven. It says that the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. That word he worked with them 
the, the, the original picture there is that he co-labored. He was a co-worker with them. They were preaching the gospel. They were advancing the kingdom, and he was doing what only he could do. He was confirming his word as it was going forth with signs and miracles. They couldn't produce those on their, their own. They were co-laboring together. They didn't need them to advance the kingdom. But he brought them in because he loved them as a father loves his children. I want to spend a little bit more time over in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. Paul's writing here to the, the church at Corinth because they are sort of missing one of the really key points in the, this partnership with the Lord dynamic, right? They're getting incredibly focused on which coworker they're following and less on the Lord, less on the, the guy who's running the show. And so Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 3 is working to, to sort of set their context right and so in verse 5, he says, What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each task. I planted the seed, and Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There's, there's some debate here in terms of that, my version of that, right? That whether he's talking, whether Paul here is writing about the co-worker being him and, Apo him and Apollos are co-workers, or whether he and Apollos are co-workers with the Lord, Right? I think he's saying both. That's my own personal. As, as I read this and I look out sort of over the pattern of Scripture, what he's saying to the Corinthian church here is this garden at, at Corinth, this church that God started, this work that he's doing, God planted that garden. Don't be confused about this. I'm only, I work here, right? I labor in love here. I am not in charge here, right? We are partnering this is the Lord's work. You are God's field, God's building. The picture that he's giving them here is not that God sort of start, you know, plants this garden and then walks away and leaves it to these other, these other guys to tend, these other sons to tend. What he's calling them to here is a picture of saying, you know what? The Lord is actively working in tending this garden of this church, and we are working alongside him with him, but make no mistake about it. This is the Lord's work. You're God's field, God's building. Focus on the owner, not on the worker. Right? And we do that same thing. We focus on the workers. I prefer the way Nathan preaches to the way Jay preaches. Right? I prefer the way Julie leads worship to the way Jay leads worship, which is probably the right thing to do. But what Paul's saying here is it doesn't matter about the workers. This is God's work that he's actively working in. 
You can, you can preference all you want. I prefer this or I prefer that. God's the one leading the work. And I just want to encourage you guys this morning. This has been a, How many of you guys have felt at least one Sunday that this sabbatical time has been a little bit awkward? It's been a little bit weird, right? Different times. Because we prefer it a certain way. We prefer a certain worker. The reality is, all of you, I love Nathan as much as any of you guys. He is not the only worker of the garden here at New Life. You all are co-laboring with him. We co-labor together with the Lord to tend this garden that God has started, that God planted, God's established, that he's called us to, to tend and work. Years and years ago, before we were here, we were pastoring a, a small church, right? Our, our pastor and his wife had left. They were, they had taken, they were going to go teach at a, a Bible training center, and we were sort of left with this church that we had had some leadership in. But I will never forget this conversation. A, 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 a men, an, another mentor in our life who had been in the ministry for like 40, 50 years came and he said, Jay, you've got to wrestle with two questions. The first one is, the name of, our, the, name of the church was Father's House. He said, is, is God, has God established that garden called Father's House? You've got to answer that question first. Because if God hasn't started this work, then you better not waste your time. And he said, and if you answer that question, yes, I believe that God is doing a work, that he's created this garden, he's planted this thing, the next most important question is, are you called to tend it? And so if you believe that God's planted this garden called New Life, right, years and years and years ago, the question is, are you called to partner with him in tending to this garden? And I'm going to believe if you're here today, that your answer to that is yes. I, Lord, I believe I've got a part in this to, to tend this garden here at New Life. Now, we all tend differently. It's a pretty big garden. But we all tend. We all partner. We all co-labor together. Mike and I co-labor together with each other and with the Lord. We may tend to different parts. Linda and I tend very different parts of the New Life garden. Praise God. God is partnering with us in the work that's happening here. We are not always the most helpful partners. At least I'm not. He's not giving up on us. Even on awkward Sundays where it feels like, what the heck was that? He's okay with that. He's okay with that. He loves us enough to give us a second chance, a third chance, even when we peel up the driveway. He wants to see his garden tended. Paul keeps going with this thought, this idea of, of co-laboring with the Lord. If you flip over quickly into 2 Corinthians, this was clearly a church that needed to get this message. In 2 Corinthians 5, he's talking about this ministry of reconciliation. And starting in verse 11, He's talking about this partnership again of the church partnering with the Lord. And I think specific to their body there, but I think in this case he's talking even bigger than that. 
right, starting in verse 11, he says, Since then we, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we're out of our mind, it's for the sake of God. And if we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. In the work of reconciliation, we are not equal partners with the Lord. Scripture makes that abundantly clear. While you were dead in your sin, with no capacity to save or serve or help yourself at all, Christ died that you could be reconciled. It is the most lopsided relationship, partnership in the history of mankind. But on the other side of that, God is looking to partner with us, folks. If you are not sure, you know, Nathan, before he went on sabbatical, charged us all, right? What, you know, an area of ministry about making our membership solid and, 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 and solidifying that. If you still, after a summer of, of wondering, where do I fit in? What's my ministry? What's my focus? I want to just declare to you today that if you have not landed on something, know this, that you have a ministry of reconciliation. A message of reconciliation that is a God-ordained partnership. He does not need you to save one person, to reconcile one person, and yet, for some reason, he has brought us into that work that only he can do, that we can carry that, right? That other people can become aware of the type of father that we have, a father who's provided a way into relationship and into eternal life and into sonship and daughtership. If he's not partnering with us as sons and daughters, who, who else will he partner with? This is not something that you can sort of 
subcontract outside of the family. Like Paul leads into this saying, listen, I'm convinced of this thing. You can call me crazy if you want, but I am convinced of this thing. And I carry that with me. His partnership is with sons and daughters, with us. Even in those times and those places where we are not helpful partners. His heart is to, he's faithful. He's going to continue with us, partnering, making us more like him, and giving us a ministry to share that with others, advancing his kingdom together. God's planted, he's started lots of gardens. Your family is a, is a garden. It's a work that God started. Your workplace is a garden that God's placed you the same way that he placed Adam into that garden in Eden. God has put you in that particular garden to partner with him, to advance his kingdom in that garden, to sow and to water and to guard and to till and to tend exactly where he has you. It doesn't have to be the same garden as mine. Like I said, we tend very different gardens. There's some that we have in common and there's some that are, he wants to partner with you right where he has you. So as the worship team comes up, I want to encourage you in this. If you feel like today, like, Lord, I don't know. I've been, I don't know, I don't know how to partner. I don't know how to help. I don't know what my contribution is. I don't know what my place is. I don't know what my, ask him to show you. Keep asking. If it feels like it's taking a while, Hang in there, because here's what I can tell you with full confidence. He wants you alongside him. He wants to do this work together. He wants to advance his kingdom side by side, right, with sons and daughters, with us, with us. Does he need us? No. He wants us there side by side. I have to admit, I, I, I don't fully understand. Lord, your, your motivation in, in this, in, in your desire to, not to, to come alongside us, Lord, but to, to invite us into a place of coming alongside you. Lord, to advance your kingdom. Lord, knowing that it's, it's not always going to look the way that, that, that you would want or, or reflect you in a way that, that, that you would want or even we would want. And yet, Lord, there's something in your heart that so deeply desires to have your sons and daughters alongside this work. Lord, of advancing the gospel, of ministering reconciliation to those around us, Lord, of relaying your great love for, for the world.
Father, I pray that you would continue just encouraging. Lord, that you'd continue drawing us deeper into what it looks like to tend alongside you. Lord, to work alongside you in the, in the gardens that you've placed us in, in our lives. Lord, whether that's in a school, Lord, a, a, a factory, a classroom, a, 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 a government, a, Lord, whatever that looks like. Lord, a hospital. Lord, help us to see our partnership with you. Lord, help us to see our, our ministry with you. Lord, be patient with us and gracious with us. Lord, we want to be like you. We want to be like our Father. Lord, we want to share in the work that brings you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.